morning. Hey, who's here that wasn't here last night? If you weren't here last night. Well, okay. All right. Who heard Jack Taylor for the first time? Okay. Don't you wish you'd heard him a lot more? I first uh, began to hear Jack Taylor in 1972, the year I was converted, and uh, the year that I read uh, his book, The Key to Triumphant Living. And I said, Lord, you know what? I started crying out. Long story short, I've had the blessing of having the people who were my heroes become my fathers. And uh, Papa Jack Taylor is one of the greatest blessings that's ever happened to my life. I thank God for him. Um, what I did was I, I went over to Josiah. I'm a, I'm a pastor in Albuquerque and have been a, I've been a local church pastor. This year makes 41 years. So I'm like, you know, I'm house broke. Right? And... Um, at our church, we do somewhere between three and five of these kinds of events every year. And somebody says, why do you do that many? I'm like, why are we doing that few? And, and then they're, they're, people really will, will say, well, so I hear people sometimes say, I'm not a conference junkie. And I say, tell me something, do you have season tickets? Can we talk? Can we talk? Uh, listen, the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. What we love, we value. What we treasure, we invest in. I said, Josiah, let me take an offering. And so let me say something up front that, 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 you, need, that you need to know is, is that uh, yeah, I'm one of the speakers of the conference, and some and you do a conference, and 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 you get an honorarium. But so let me just say right up front, I don't need your money. I have a job; they pay me well. That's not my point. My point is this: your church is investing in the voices that are coming to this house and to this region to invest in the work of the kingdom. In your, in your area. And you by giving an offering are saying to your leadership, we honor your investment, we partner in your investment, we want this investment, we're in this. And we're saying, no, let's, let's bring more. Do you know how important voices are? You will become what you listen to. Whatever you hear, you will become. And the hearing, everybody so it's always we always obsessed with reading the Bible, but and I, I'm all about reading the Bible, but faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And the word of God is I don't know about you, but I'm a, I found out something about myself in this modern age. I, I learn better by what 
what I hear than I do by what I see. It's wonderful if I do both. So I've begun to teach myself, I'm a, I'm a man of my age, I've begun to teach myself audibly. Audible Bibles, audible books, audible lectures, everything. Anyway, so I'm going to take an offering. I'm going to receive an offering. Uh, these are the kinds of events that we don't sell tickets to. These are the kinds of events that we just ask the people who fall in love with the Lord to in, invest so that they'll say, yes, do this. In other words, what I'm asking you to do is to not allow this to be a pull on the church's budget that disables you from doing more, but allow this to be uh, air under the wings to allow them to soar higher. Your leaders want to take you to places you haven't been before, and the way they do it, the way they do it is, is events like this where we invest. And I'm, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I was trying to think, well, I took a little walk while we were breaking. I tried to think about how obsessed I am with meetings. I do it, man. I do a lot of meetings. And the reason, and the, and the reason is because I've learned that what comes into me forms what I become and determines what comes out of me. By the way, one of the things I did when I walked out, I walked out and took a picture of your exit sign. I've never seen anything like it. The service begins now. Hey, let's stand together. I like to stand for the offering. And if you're a text giver, do we have that up there? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how to do that. And even seeing that scares me. So last night I punched in those numbers to see what would happen. And I still can't figure it out. But if you know how to do that, do that. And if you don't know how to do that, you could teach me. Meanwhile, I'm just going to keep giving money. Right? But you can text to give. And uh, you can... I guess write out, if you write a check, it's to New Horizons. Is that correct? And, uh, man, let's invest more in the kingdom of God than we do in our hobbies and our outside interests. Let's invest in the people of God and what, and what we're doing. Anyway, that, I just exhort you. I exhort you to excel in the grace of giving I've never regretted anything that I've released. Father God, I give because I have received. I never knew how to give until I received your grace. Lord, you have given us our very breath our life, our time. Having received, we come to give. Having been loved, we love. Having received grace, we release grace. Father, we bless your name. 
Speak to us. Actually speak to us about this grace of giving. In Jesus' name. I guess we have the ushers here. You can be seated and we'll receive the offering. And I'll go ahead while you're doing that and I'll give a little more introduction to Papa Jack. I've already taken a little bit of his time, so I'll take less than a minute. The year that my father died was the year that I realized how much I needed my father and how little I understood it while he lived. And it was in that year, that was 2002, I told you that I first heard this man's voice in 1972. That's, that's 30 years. It was the next year, the beginning of the next year, that I met Jack Taylor. And within months, he had become a father to me. And I'll tell you how I know he's a father. Because when I was the most broken, he was the one I called to say, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Although when he tells the story, it'll go like this. Alan called me, and he wailed on the phone for 15 minutes. And when he finally told me what was wrong, he said, I was relieved because I thought many worse things had happened. But I went through a dark, dark time. And, what, and this man called me day after day. And most of those days, I was in such bad shape, I couldn't answer the phone. Have you been there? And he would leave a text, a scripture, a word, and even a song. So this is a man who speaks and the dead rise. Come on, Papa Jack, talk to us some more. Receive this man of God. to live up to, son. <clears throat> All right. Well, I'm going to give you a privilege that a lot of people plead for and don't get. <clears throat> you can ask me anything you want to, and I hold the right to say it's none of your business, <laughs> or you wouldn't do anything about it if I told you, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> I might have sung a song like this. It might be good for you. Cheer up, you saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. They say that Jesus never fails, so why don't you stand up and shout? You'll be mighty glad you did tomorrow morning. I'm looking for an Irishman to sing that song. Isn't that a good song? I like it. I try to live by that. Uh, I will entertain. I enter. I will entertain a couple of questions or three, if I like your questions, uh, personal or otherwise. Uh, 
you have a question about anything I said before, which is dangerous because I don't know that I have a defense of anything I've said before. <laughs> I didn't, hadn't heard half of it myself. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, you have this, you have this opportunity, and you're frozen in fear. Your heart's picking up. Go ahead and go crazy if you want to. You can't. Ob- Good. He doesn't need him. You're on the... Papa Jack, you say God is up to something. Yeah. What do you think he's up to? He's up to you. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, God's always up to something. There are times when he's up to something special. Very special. He's always special, but very, very special. I feel like right now we're at a, I, I, I don't know whether to call it a doorway or a precipice or a, uh, a mountain to climb. I don't know what it is, but I have a sense of, uh, of impending that I have not felt in my lifetime. And uh, I've been alive a long time. I've been preaching 71 uh, years and saved 74, 75. And... Uh, I know a lot of things because I've been through a lot of things. <laughs> so, and when I feel something like that, I, I, I share it. When I know more about it, I'll, I'll tell you more about it. But a part of the value of it is God is testing you whether you have sensed enough, enough to know that something is about, and it requires special attention, and be very careful when you, fe- when you fellowship with him. Because the worst thing could happen is for you to miss out on what he's up to you. I have a nightmare about going this way and God going that way and my going on. I want to go, I want to zig when he zigs and zag when he sags. Zags. Sags, not sags. Okay. Yeah. So considering this age, what would you suggest is the best apologetic approach? The best apologetic approach is be unapologetic. <laughs> uh, I think the richest thing going on right now is an apologetic that I'm listening to, and I hope if you claim being an apologetic, I know you are. I don't doubt that. But my, my gauge in apologetics is really, uh, I listen to Robbie Zacharias a whole lot. And uh, an apologetic must have something to uh, have an apologetic about. And I think we start with where the start is. In the beginning, God. And approach that right and let it say what it ought to say. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where we start. We can't start there. We are, have an undefensible apologetic. And uh, I, I think that's, I, I hope you agree with that. God is God and I'm not. That's a good beginning. 
Most of our trouble, if not all of it, is when we assume that we're on even with or better than in wisdom. God. Yeah. I'm trying to become more apologetic in, in that manner. Find out who God is and what He's like and what He thinks of you and decide what you think of Him and live your life out that way. And don't pay too much attention to what the most important things the world think are being said about God. <laughs> yeah? I wanted to ask, um, God's been telling me for a while now that the harvest is huge and the laborers are few, but I have a, I don't know what it is, something about where women stand and as far as missions and teaching and um, the raising of the church and their place being in their home and conversion of their family, and I just don't know. I'm just confused. <laughs> okay, I think this is one of the areas where God is not only moving in, but he's about to step up his moving and, uh, and even up a thing that has been a result of our generation or our our treatment of, of things and uh, a lot of things are unjust and not even and not balanced in the way we do things, in the way we think at every level. And I, I think when we, uh, when we try to attack it on the front side, we are valuable, but we probably won't be around long enough to see it finished. Uh, but since it's already started, it's safe to get in it now. <laughs> and uh, I think all of us need to start with any issue with the word repent. I believed a lot of things. I didn't believe. I just the only thing I believed. I just believed it. And it was a lie. It was lies. It was packed with lies. And the, the first ability every one of us ought to have, including those who have been... Uh, unfairly treated or unfairly stationed or perceived of in life is that uh, all of us are part of the problem. And if we're reacting to the problem, we're lengthening the problem. So the best thing to do is to start out by dying. Dying to your own rights. That's what I think Jesus preached that, that gospel and so did Paul. I've been crucified with Christ. And you'll, you'll go to church and everybody will test whether you've been crucified with Christ or not. And if there's anything they can raise up of the old human, then you can go back to what happened when you, when you got saved. But I think help is coming from every direction. I think uh, crooked places are being made straight. Lives are being made straight in the midst of. See, it's not the worst season when all of these things are streaming at once and corrupt, seemingly corrupting the atmosphere. They just were happening unrelated and unbothered before we got here. We just helped mess them up real big. And if we can perceive that we're a part of the solution and we see the bad part of it first, but we, and, and when we become disgruntled, nobody going to is going to listen to a gripe. And nobody's going to listen to somebody wrapped up in self-pity. And I know you get that way, and, and I understand it. I just didn't grow up like that. I, I just... You're up feeling valued and, and uh, not particularly being valued. I didn't know what valued meant. 
I just have a dad and mom who lived old-fashioned, believed in spanking their kids till they repented, till they changed their mind. And uh, that gave me new meaning to repentance. And uh, repentance didn't, didn't uh, uh, replace uh, punishment for doing wrong. Just made it worse because I knew better after that. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying and uh, just be happy being a part of the solution and uh, be sensitive and ask God to make you sensitive enough to know this is a test. Are you a part of the solution or a part of the uh, problem? And uh, if you as a protester can change my mind toward the issue or you, I have allowed you to be more important than I am uh, in, in believing in God. So I need to give up my life, give up my opinion, give up my things that I think are best. Uh, I don't have all the, all the truth, neither do you. But uh, I, I really think we're living in the best day we've ever had in this world. I'd rather be alive today than in any condition I can think of or any time that has, man has been on earth. Not a particularly good answer, but... Yes, please. You are, bet. Are you saying that you're confused about the role of women in church life? Okay. In missions and ministry, yeah. Are, are, you, are you a researcher? Well, just, just, just do this. There's a wonderful article called Women in Service to the Church. And if you just Google that, you will get an article. And what it will do for you is it will actually go to some of those difficult texts Good. that I'm sure are in your mind as you ask this question. And it will do some exegesis for you, some interpretation, and help you to view those texts. We all have struggled with this. Now, I am a pastor, and my wife is my co-pastor. And so we have had to face this. When we began as a church, we started as a church who said uh, that women and men are going to serve alongside each other. And um, it's a controversial issue, but let me say one thing about controversial issues in Christianity for everyone. We are at a time in the world where we need each other at a level that's higher than the differences we have on biblical interpretation. And, and we have to learn to bless each other. Concerning the, the role of women, it is instructive to us that the rabbis um, said women were first in the fall and made lots of applications as to their uh, subordination based on the fall of Eve. It should be also instructive to us that the witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was on the lips of the women. Yeah. And even the men said it seemed to us as fables. But it was the announcement of the gospel and it was the first announcement so it was Eve's fall that brought the first announcement of the gospel in the text of scripture Genesis 3.15 and it was and it was Jesus' resurrection that put the announcement on the gospel 
on the lips of women in all of the gospel accounts. Wasn't that good? I, That's good. I can't add anything to that except to say this. Uh, two, two Sundays ago, um, I, I have been called pastor here. Pastor's on my door. door. I'm not really comfortable with that, frankly, <laughs> me being pastor. <laughs> uh, but um, I've accepted that. And, but two Sundays ago, as we were talking about the new structures that God <clears throat> is giving us, and they're very flexible so that the Spirit of God can move in those structures, one of the things that we announced was the terminology that Debbie, my wife, has found, is finding her voice and has found her voice, and we are looking at the term co-pastor for Debbie. When I announced that in our fellowship here, there was applause, just like that. And uh, so in application, I'm not addressing uh, Alan. What Alan says, he brings truth. It's so powerful. You bring principle. It's so powerful. I'm giving you application here, and that is Debbie is co-pastor. That's good. That's good. Uh, we, we met this head on, and uh, ironically, it was, uh, it was Gail, uh, Alan's wife, that brought it up. Uh, Papa, Jack, you're talking about Papa Jack and his sons. Where does that put us women who are the wives of your sons? I said, well, I hadn't thought about that because it was my relationship that fostered. And I did some thinking about it and had some poor answers and good answers and finally found the right answer. And uh, one was, well, I would suppose that we would assume that any son that had a wife, she was assumed to be having a, have a father relationship. And that, that was all right. And then the other thing was, uh, women sometimes in the Bible are called sons. We are all the sons of God. Don't know what we shall be, but when he'll appear, we'll be like him, for we see him as he is. So there, and that's a good answer. But but the answer is, we're all God's children, and we're all brothers and sisters, and we're all His children, and it's a big family. And uh, as society becomes more like a family. As the church becomes more like God, it'll become a family. And there are church, whole churches that are being seized by this. Uh, by the way, the father and son DNA is what runs the universe. Yeah. It's how it operates. The father and the son. And uh, we, we all got in on that. And, uh, and this, this coming revival, whatever it looks like, will recover what was lost by man having a better idea than God. And it's, it's going to be a barn burner. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get gooder and gooder. Uh, something that I've gotten from kingdom is that, that from Jack, Papa Jack, something that I've received is kingdom is not about position. Positions are, are in institutions. And institutions... Uh, primarily produce orphans. But kingdom says family. Right. And so we don't go by position 
uh, in an institutional setup, we go as family. So that's, that's the good. reason I call uh, Jack Papa Jack. And, and I, some of you call me Papa Johnny or Mama Debbie. And we're trying to, whether we use that terminology or not, we're shifting our understanding from position in a church structure to that of kingdom family wherever we go. And even lost people, when we come to them, we don't look at them as just a, a man or a woman. We are asking the question, how do they become a son or daughter in the kingdom of God? And are they already my brother and sister or uncle and aunt? I think that whole paradigm of kingdom family needs mm -hmm. to permeate the church. And we will see more sons and daughters than we will cookie-cut disciple Christians that have to right. continue to produce institutions. That's right. Good. Okay, there is anything else need to be said about that? I have the mic, so I'm going to ask a question while I'm holding it. Um, and I imagine your answer will be short, but what is, what is a Christian's role in politics? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that's a, it can be answered shortly. You know, get out. Three things. I'm kidding, but get out. Number one, don't take sides. Number two, keep your love on. Number three, stay in the right lane. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Sounded good to me, and I'm trying to stay in the right lane. Well, how, what you going to think about that? I'm going to work until I find the right thing, I think. I may not have a thought. Now, it's a terrible thing to answer a question and not have any idea of what you're talking about. That's highly, that's highly questionable. Have you been out there? And somebody asked a question because they thought you knew the answer and you agreed with them. You probably were that smart. And so you started answering and you got out way out there too, too hard to, to walk back in a run. And uh, you didn't have a clue as to what you were talking about. So that's a good place to start. Just don't have a clue. And uh, I, I can tell you what, I, what I've done about politics. I remember the case in which Joshua was about to take his place, and, and uh, he met probably the, uh, he met Jesus. Yeah. Jesus makes several appearances in the Old Testament. And he was, uh, he was, uh, he didn't know who it was, and he said, who, who are you? Who, are you on their side or are you on ours? Effectively, what, what Jesus, I think, said. He said, uh, I'm not here to take over. I'm not here uh, to take sides. I'm here to take over. So uh, uh, just understand that there is no political party that is your hope. Amen. If it is, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to be under what is now the church. And uh, so uh, there's one other thing I needed to say. Man, the bird has flown off the limb. Just give me a minute. 
the most important thing for you as a Christian is to develop a grid through which anything can pass because you have a kingdom template. Now, look at me because this is important. This is very important. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't just mean give it undue or inordinate attention. That means make the kingdom your next thought. Because if you pick up where you are expecting to be improved by what you're about to hear and you hear something besides the government of God transcending every other consideration, period, you are in error and are living next to idolatry. And I'll enlarge on this if you care. But idolatry is having something you have to check on before you say yes to God. If it's money in the bank, if it's position of importance, and you're not willing to give it up at a nod from God, you're an idolater. And your next act will be idolatrous. Sorry. Okay. That's good. Three agreed move. That's better than usual. Okay. Okay, one more question, and then I want to give you the greatest thing I've learned in the past 70 years. I guess this could be applied like corporately to the church or to us as individuals. And since... Uh, I'll just be a little selfish and ask because it's my only concern and you seem like a man of wisdom. Be kind of foolish not to take advantage of it. Um, so you say like you think we're on the precedent of something great, like a revival we've never seen. And I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, and I feel like that's something that God has told us. I believe a lot of people prophesied that and, and are believing Mississippi will play a great part in that and, and other places, not just Mississippi. Yeah. My question is whether a, a promise like that corporately or let's say a promise to you personally. <clears throat> and you see that all throughout Scripture with like yeah. people being blessed to have children. <clears throat> when you don't see that in your time frame, or you don't see it playing out how you want it to play out, which obviously it probably will never play out how you want it to, how do you not, in your own life or, or anything you may have experienced, is there wisdom you can impart on waiting on the Lord? Like, how do you have, like, a right to, like, like, I want to wait on God. I want, because he has spoken a lot over my life personally. A lot of people in this church, um, just like so many other people probably here, I think I've been very blessed in that I've gotten probably a, a lot more prophetic words than most people get. I don't mean that pridefully. I just, sometimes I wish they wouldn't say anything at all. <laughs> um, yeah. But my point is, I want to wait on the Lord, and I want to see those things come true corporately and personally, but I'm also more like a, like, like, my personality is more like Peter in the garden, like I'm ready to just chop an ear off, yeah. you know, like I'm ready to just go. So I guess could you, because I mean, there are a lot of people like that who have dreams and visions that God's given them, 
and they're not seeing it play out how they thought. It's a good, very good question. Easy to get discouraged. Very good question, and uh, I want I want to tell you how I feel about it. I don't know, <laughs> but I've got some thoughts about it. <clears throat> I take everything I hear that I, you know, they're gradations of my, t- my attention uh, getting. I, I think I take everything I hear that I wasn't sure that I heard from God with a grain of salt. I, I don't know where we got that, that uh, terminology, but that means I don't, I don't give it all that much serious until I hear God's yes about that, about that thing. And I, I can't, for that reason, I'll not get specific. Others have, and apparently they deserve to be listened to. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I believe God will give an amen to anything you're listening to that should affect your life in future decisions. It's one thing to believe it, to make room for it to be more believable, and another thing to believe it so tenaciously that you act on it. I, I plan to live to be 100 years old. I feel like I have a, an issue from God with it, and every time I ask him about it, he says it's still on. <laughs> I, and uh, I know Moses lived a long time. And, uh, and uh, God often says the Moses component's still on. I think I would be disappointed if I died, probably not for long. I think of all the things I think of when somebody else died, and I, I won't say, well, well, I died, but I, and I miss me. <laughs> I'll never be any more with me than after I die. So I plan to live to be 100. I plan to live to see the answers that I wish I could give to uh, unanswered questions. Uh, God's going to let me live long enough to, to give a lot of those answers and to be uh, an answer to a lot of people. But... <clears throat> I think what you've, what you've asked means that you're in the process of modeling how to receive information and how to judge whether it is revelation or, uh, or illumination that has been uh, added to, and, uh, and you, can, you can place emphasis on the fact that it's going to happen, but to wrap words around exactly how it's going to happen will not prepare you to receive what God's about to do. Um, so I, I would just do as I think you're doing, and that is asking questions and uh, not being how long must I wait. It doesn't hurt to ask how long to wait because one of the most vicious books in the Bible is, is the book of Habakkuk, the country boy. And uh, he just was straight out with God. He said, God, I'd, I'd just like to ask you a few questions. I mean, we're tired of going out to war and you didn't go with us. And how long, how long are we going to call and you won't answer? How long... You're going to not accompany our armies out on the battlefield. I mean, if you're God, do something. And God didn't kill him. Put him in the Bible. Good night. (laughs) God, I'd have given him backhand into heaven. But uh, I I think you're on the right track, which is to say I don't know the answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, one more up here. Throw the mic to him. Yes. You mentioned a sensitivity to the kingdom of, of God. Yeah. How can we gain more of that? Read my book. 
I'm, on, I'm honest with you. What, I'm, what I meant in this book, and I said, God, if you can't write it, if you can't, if you can't shadow it and test the words, I, I could have written the book in four months. The, the first book I wrote was written in, in uh, four months, and it sold a million, and uh, still selling. And uh, I set out to do 14 months of my best work, and uh, it nearly killed me. It stretched into 14 months. Uh, that is to say, if you'll, if you'll be God-hearted when you start, you'll love the kingdom when you finish. Enough to give it first place in your life with Jesus. And uh, I, I, there are other books to read. It's just a little better. No, that's not so. <laughs> I would, uh, the, the book that I broke my, I, I, I cut my teeth on is the book, The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person, written in uh, 1986. 1986, yeah. When uh, the, Author was 80 years old, and maybe older, I don't remember. But I was blessed by it. A kingdom on every page. Not a theological book. That's not your problem. Your problem is personal in the kingdom. When Jesus becomes king, it's a good time to set down what you're hearing from him. And you'll be writing the book on the kingdom. So, uh, I, I just give you this little key. Start looking for kingdom sightings. They're happening all the time. And God is talking through all of them. If you're not alert to them, you're missing the fact that God talks all the time. Well, you say, I, I, I just don't want to listen to him. You go to sleep, he's got the advantage of you. Both of you are awake in the spirit where he's talking to you. And if you've got one, mind, one thought in mind ahead of another, you know somebody's been talking to you while you've been asleep. And God will talk to you about the kingdom because that's what he talks about. This whole book is about what he's saying about his rule. I'm the Lord. That's my name. My glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to great many. I am the Lord. And in his own book, he says, I'm Jehovah. I'm Jehovah. Name them. Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Shammah, El Shaddai, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of Heaven's armies, and six or eight more. Jehovah Sneaky, that'll do. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you'll get acquainted with the king, and the king acquaints you with the kingdom. So I'd, I'd say that to you. And just believe that if you'll seek it, you'll find it. Would he ask you to seek for anything you didn't find? You say, well, I've, 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 I've sought it. You saw it? Well, seek it till you find it. And peel your eye at the kingdom sighting. You'll be surrounded with kingdom sightings. They're wonderful. You wouldn't have in your old life seen it, but there are kingdom sightings around you all the time. Judge them, give validity to them, and God will give you the validities of the kingdom. Okay, do I have uh, five, seven, eight minutes? Do I have that long? I'll take every minute of it. Uh, two years ago, not two years ago, a year and a half ago, I was uh, on one of my trips abroad.
free tonight. We were serving one of the great mission endeavors that I papa. They've grown the last year into from twenty to, to from ten to twenty-five nations, where the kingdom is being broadcast and taught all over Europe, Africa, now South America, British Isles. And uh, I was walking one morning. I was there to talk about the kingdom. Every day at 8 o'clock, I talked about the kingdom. We called it Papa Jack Unplugged. And I'd just start out just talking about the kingdom and talk for 30, 45 minutes and then let questions come. Uh, and I was walking and one morning. I got up early in the morning, which is what I do. And uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning, day began to break, 5.30. And uh, I love to see the sun come up over the Alps, and the warning of daylight, and then the sunshine. And I had just read the encounter uh, Jesus had with the one who asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, uh, the greatest commandment is this. You love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors you love yourself. And I was grieved over that. I really was. And I said, God, I've been trying to love you 80, 75 years then. I've been trying to love you that long. And if I had to give my grade of my, of my the nature of my love, I'd have to give myself a B minus. Now, I'm no slouch in love. I can love. But what he told me about my love was absolutely true. And so I got through grieving on God. And, and uh, are you aware that God will answer your questions with questions? And he's never asked one yet that he doesn't know the answer to. So you're not about to tell God he's something he doesn't already know. What he's interested in when he asks a question to you is you have to agree with him, and then you'll probably disagree with yourself. And he said, I mean, this is a conversation that I made out of it. You understand. And I have to check myself often. God ever talk to you? Does God ever talk to you? Yeah. Well, he does a whole lot more than you think because you have a soul that doesn't sleep, a spirit, a spirit that never sleeps. God never sleeps, and God wastes no time. You know what God does while you're sleeping if you're tuned in to him? He's speaking to your spirit. And if you have the kind of retention system that will hold it till you get awake, uh, you can read from what God's told you or hear from what God told you, and you'll know something about it by osmosis. So he started asking questions, and one question was, um, you, you know I'm seeking love, don't you? Yes. Uh, it's not because I need love. Yes. And I, I do want you to love me. Why do you love me at all? And I gave him the only answer I, I knew to give. I said, God, I, uh, I love you. How would you answer? Because you first loved me. Ah. God asked a question, I answered correctly. He said, that's right. Then he added this. He said, is it probable that you probably never could have started loving me if I hadn't loved you first? I said, yep, I think so. 
then do you think it might have been me that invented love instead of you? And when you got saved, did I put love in your heart in Jesus? You have two kinds of love in you, maybe more. But you have two kinds, and one, one of them is mine, one of them is yours. I appreciate yours, but that's not what I'm after. You need to understand that your love at its best. Now, hear this. This is for you. Your love at its best is sporadic, in and out, hot and cold, up and down, and highly affected by conditions. Huh? Got it? Would you agree with that? Well, you better, because if you believe what I tell you, that uh, for anything to happen except grief, you've got to agree with it. I said, okay, God, what's the point? <clears throat> he said, you have a bind of my son in you, which means he brought everything into you that I am and have, including my love. You have his love for you and my love for you living in you. Not as a quality, but as a personality. You have a lover in you that loves me in a way that I must be loved to be able to give you all the fruit of my love. I said, and what's the point? I said, I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that isn't enough for me, are you? What's the answer? This this kind of silly, but God can some kind dumb. Sometimes is silly. If I have any sense, he's silly. And uh, let me get this thought straight with the others. Oh, he brought up, uh, I found out God, God understands all the shows going on in, in uh, New York. And one of my favorites is Phantom of the Opera because it brought me the song that had ready for me to fall in love with Frida. And how uh, I many of you know what the lead song of the Phantom of the Opera is? All I ask of you is to love me. And I, that came to my mind, just like God had mentioned it. I said, I know, God. I know that's all you expected me. No. That's not why I brought it up. You got it wrong. I don't expect you to love me. I expect you first to let me love you. So, God, what about my mind and soul and all my strength and might and, you know, all that I have, obviously enough as mentioned, uh, loving everything I have. What about that? He said, that is quite secondary. You can't make that a tool with which to love me as I need to and want to be loved, and you need to love me. Well, what am I to do with my whole spirit, mind, body, heart, soul, and all the other uh, faculties I have? He said, I want you to mix my love. I want you to add your greatest the greatest faculty of your soul, of your spirit, of your mind, of your strength. And I want you to ball it up with my love and throw it back in my face. Now let me love you. And there are times when I awaken, folks, and I don't think anybody loves me. 
I know I don't. And I say, okay, God, what am I to do today? I preach this. My God, didn't I feel horrible? If it was lawful to commit suicide, I'd take this thing out of my way. You know what I heard from him? Shut up. And let me love you. I can tell you this one is fresh. Fresher than I care to tell you. I have, a, I have a lot of responsibility. I get to praying for my sons. I get to walking with them through their problems and heartaches and losses and crosses and double crosses and betrayals and all that. I said, God, I feel so worthless today. I want to love you, but I, I don't feel I have any left. God said, hey, let me love you. He'd done that before, and I'd engaged, got over it. But this time he did something different. He said, I want you to start putting down names. And he started naming people in my life. My wife, Frida. My son and daughter, their children. Husbands, wife. Then he started naming sons. I don't mind telling that I have an inner circle of sons. They don't know who they are. I have a smaller group there at the table with me. They probably won't know who they are. But in about 10 minutes or less, I had jotted down 200 names on my prayer list. I said, God, what about them? He said, I've been loving you. I love them through you. I love through them to you. Let me love you. It's been an exercise and a learning that has altered my life. I recommend it to you. Don't ever read into God's desire to be loved. The fact that he, he could do without it. He did a long time without it before you got here. In fact, he was, he was here already. And you were too in his realities. But uh, you don't love him because he has to have it to exist. He doesn't depend on your love, but he wants his, the refined kind, the agape kind. It is this love that never fails. It's this love that never downs someone else. It's this love that doesn't turn on others and think less of them than you do, uh, less of them than, than they need thought of them. So I, you, you take facets of that. I'll, I'll write that down. I, I've written much of it down on a treatise on love. I'm not ready to let it go yet. But uh, there's a little book called The Greatest Thing in the World. And uh, I bought a copy of it for a dollar at a, at a thingamajig store. And I read it. Of, the, of one of the greatest men who ever lived, uh, Drummond. And uh, they say he was the sweetest man they ever knew who lived. A great man, a scientist by day, a by weekday, and a preacher by the weekend. Everything he writes is absolutely ingenious, bathed in love. You can love God. You are a lover of God. 
You can love him uniquely. None other can love him just like you can. And your love is very important to him because you are important to him. God bless you. Lord, I pray that these things that I've said, some of them have been careless, but use them in a package to bring up at needed intervals in the lives of people. Thank you for canceling some of the things we say and some of the attitudes that accompany them need to be gotten rid of. So we present ourselves to you for further use, for further correction. Have your way with us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our faith is absolute in that, sir, and we expect an answer. Every minute we need it. And thank you that when we seek your kingdom first and your right way of living, right being, right thinking, right doing, because we've been made right, all these things that the Gentiles seek and get many of them, but out of order, you will give them to us in blessed kingdom order. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Papa Jack.